Well, we bid you a very welcome and good morning to our brand new year and our first Lord's Day. It seems uh, somewhat uh, an unusual blessing to have it on January the 1st that we gather for a new year in the house of God. Let's begin our service of praise with number 42, Praise Ye the Lord, and let's lift our voices and our hearts with thanksgiving unto our God. Let's stand pleased to sing. Well, what a great hymn to be able to start our service and to start a new year. And as we come to lift our voices and our hearts in praise to the Lord, well, let that be the theme that courses through our minds and hearts every single day that we are given grace to live. And let every opportunity that God gives to us to go forward in our service of Him, be one that is, well, for His glory and honor, for the encouragement of those who we are in fellowship with in our local assembly, 
and in other believers we meet, and of course to those we, we come across the path with on a daily basis of our neighbors and friends and people in our workplace. We want them to know that we are servants of the Most High God. We want them to know that we are followers of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And let the joy and the peace of Christ be in our hearts. And let that testimony shine from us, not in any kind of a hypocritical or a put-on sort of a way. That's no use at all. We want people to see that we are genuine folks. We are honest people. We love the Lord. We are folks that have different problems, and we face troubles and trials like many other people. And we have the hope of Christ in us. We have the joy of the Lord that motivates us and keeps us going forward. And so as we personally, individually, collectively as a ministry, commit ourselves unto God for this new year, let us pray that He will be glorified in and through us. We'll bow before Him now, please, in prayer. Father, as we stand on the threshold of a brand new year, we come on this Lord's Day morning with thankfulness that we are found here in the house of prayer and praise, not with some hangover from a riotous party of the last evening, but Lord, we come with sound mind and heart and filled with joy and thanksgiving. For we have seen clearly mapped out before us your kind and loving and providential hand, Father. And I pray that in those places and at those times where we find it difficult to see your overarching hand, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to rejoice today and all, Father, that you have given to us. We do give thanks for our Lord and Savior. We give thanks that Christ is ours and we are His. And we know that we have been washed in His own precious blood. We know we have a standing. We are justified before a holy God in heaven. And Lord, we will never be condemned for there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that our love would be increased, our love for You, our love for Your Word, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And dear Lord, enable us, strengthen us, let not the devil get the victory in our lives, but let us learn what it means to pray through and to pray on victory ground. Lord, we, we want this day to commit ourselves afresh. We have a new opportunity. And I pray, dear Father, that every individual believer, that all of us come to the point of of dedication, of rededicating our lives unto the Master. And that, Father, we would know Your blessing in our homes. We would experience and know salvation of unsaved loved ones near to us that have been long prayed for. Lord, let it not be very long within this year that they would come to Christ 
and those that have drifted away, that, O oh God, you would draw them with the cords of divine and sovereign love, and they would be brought to the foot of the cross. Dear Lord, work in our families. Work in this congregation. We devote ourselves, Lord, and we give this ministry and all of the aspects of it into your care. We want divine guidance. We want, Father, to know that we are in the center of your perfect will. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to compromise the truth. We don't want, Lord, to make a monkey of things in the work of God. But I pray that we will be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might, and that, Father, we will know daily and moment by moment the Holy Spirit's presence and guidance, the Savior going in front of us. Dear God, we commit ourselves, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, every aspect of our being into your hand. And Lord, what we are asking for our own fellowship here, we are praying for those fellowships that are close to us in our own denomination. Remember all of our churches. We pray for each brother as he preaches the gospel today. We think of churches that at the moment do not have under shepherds, pastors. Bless them, lead them forward, and give them clarity. And dear God, we pray for our missionaries. We ask for those that have given their lives in service at a far-off place. Bless them abundantly, and may they know the comfort and the nearness of Christ with them. Remember, Father, every faithful man proclaiming the word of truth in pulpits across our land and across this globe. And dear Father, remember those persecuted for their faith in countries where there is no religious liberty, in places where it is a crime to speak of the name of Jesus and to evangelize. Lord, strengthen your people in those circumstances and may their light shine very brightly. Lord, multiply and expand the kingdom and bring in souls that should be saved. Lord, hear our prayer today. Receive our worship. Receive our thanksgiving. And Lord, where there are hearts that are heavy this morning, where there are spirits that are weighed down with burdens, perhaps we know nothing about, Pour in your abundant grace and help and enable and strengthen and bless. And Father, again, we hold up our dear brothers and sisters that are sick, that are going through long-term illnesses. Father, be very, very near to them. Lift up their hearts today. Touch their bodies. And may they know the joy and the peace of Christ in them. So, our Father, we pray today, especially for our sister Rhea and the loss of her dear mother. I pray that you would bless her as she takes a journey back to Holland very soon, that you would be with her and the family during this time of their grief and loss, yet still rejoicing 
that a mother saved many years ago is at home in glory with her Lord today. So our Father, bless and comfort. And we think of others who have lost loved ones in the previous year. Lord, continue to pour your grace and strength into them for every moment and time of need. Lord, we are asking for a gracious awakening and a moving upon every one of us that we would be drawn closer and closer to our Lord Jesus and that we would know the power of the Spirit daily in our lives, growing more and more in likeness to our Lord Jesus. Hear this, our prayer today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Psalm 150, as we continue in our worship, the Psalms are at the back of our hymnal. If you're using the book, we'll stand please again to sing. Closing of the book of Psalms, well, it was a culmination of the people of Israel in the Old Testament as they were making their way up to Jerusalem on the various times of the feast that they would assemble and gather. And these Hallel songs, songs of praise and of hallelujah, well, they are good for the gospel age. They're good for every age. We might magnify and sing to our God Turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. We're going to read the first 15 verses here, and then we'll be continuing in our service later. Verses 1 to 15 of Psalm 31. In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never... Be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, 
for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have privily laid for me, for thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side, while they took counsel together against me and devised to take away my life. But I trusted in Thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in Thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. May the Lord bless His Word as we have read today and as we will continue later on in the meeting. The motto text I want to share with you today is taken from this psalm, and we will think about that and pray its truth into our hearts. Well, we want to give you a special word of welcome today, and on behalf of my wife Jill and our family, wish you a very blessed and a godly new year, and the Lord would go in front of you for every decision for every step that you must take, and that you will know His joy and His peace and His direction. And He will go and make the crooked ways straight for you. He will make the rough places plain, and He will show you His way and His will, as yet those things may be unknown. As yet this point in your life, you're not sure what the next step is going to mean for you, yet still you can know with the great peace of God that He is going in front and He is blessing you. So we want to wish you all a very blessed new year today. As you leave the service this morning, there will be a little package that we'll give to each one, and we hope we have enough to go around, and if, if not, well, we have some extras that we'll be able to make up. Anyways, there's a, a pad 
for you to write on and a little fridge magnet with the gospel text on and then there's a pen and a little flashlight in case you get lost you'll be able to find your way or find your car keys or if they're attached to your car keys you can find where you put your car and uh, we trust that that will be a little blessing a little token for you to take home with you today. Also let me remind you about our daily Bible reading calendar. We still have some of these available on the table at the foyer. And if you have not picked up one yet, and if you've not begun yet today, let me doubly encourage you uh, to be into the Word of God every single day. It is good for us to read through the Bible in one year. It's good for every Christian to do that. Some folks say, well, I have a different reading schedule, and that's fine. Or I like to just read in certain sections, and that's okay as well. But I will tell you the value of reading through the entire Scriptures in the year because as you are becoming more and more acquainted with the the Word and you are familiar with where things are located in the Scripture, that's okay on a practical sense. But there's a much greater spiritual import to this. Because as we grow in grace, and each year as we develop in the Lord, you come to read a portion of Scripture that you read a year before, and you will find that something new comes to your heart from that Scripture that you say, well, I know this part very well. I know this part of the Bible very well. Well, you read it again, and you will see just how the Lord opens up new vistas, new horizons. And that's why it's so important to read through the Scriptures every year. So be sure you take a copy of this. And if we have any extras, you might know someone else who would like to have a copy of that as well. We extend our deep condolences to our sister Rhea Lewis, Mrs. Lewis, her mother of 94 years of age who lives in Holland. She passed away this past week and uh, Rhea uh, and Mahar, I believe, are going to be traveling over to Holland for the funeral and to be with the family. And so they're going to be leaving very shortly. But do remember our dear sister Rhea in your prayers. The Lord would comfort her and bless her. She rejoices that her mother knows the Lord, and she is now rejoicing in the presence of her Savior. So please keep Rhea and her family before the Lord in prayer. As you can see, the communion table has been set for us today, and after our morning service, we'll be waiting around the Lord's table to remember His death in His own appointed manner. And we encourage you to join with us if you are a believer. You don't have to be a member of our church, but just that you know the Lord as your own. And if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to remain, but please do not take of the elements that are Uh, being passed around. From the start of COVID, we began and we made a change to our communion. We had sealed cups with little tiny wafers in the top of them. And from that time until now, just about every person has wrestled and struggled trying to get that cellophane open off the top layer before you be able to take part of the bread and then get the next one open to take part of the juice. Well, our session decided that we are going to bring a conclusion uh, to those cups and go back to the uh, bread and the juice as we uh, did previous to COVID. And yet also we are aware that some folks may still 
want to partake of the, well, I was going to say the old way, but the new way, the sealed cups anyways. And if you would like to do that, well, you speak to one of our elders and uh, before the communion service is uh, going to be conducted and they will uh, share with you exactly what to do. But today, we still have the original, well, the sealed cups, so you're going to have to wrestle through it again. And uh, Lord willing, next month, we'll go back to the original of the bread and the juice uh, for our communion service. That is, unless anything else changes and we come into some major lockdowns again, of course, that's a very bad word to say as we start off on a new year, uh, so we'll not go down into too much detail about that. We enjoyed last Lord's Day the international lunch and uh, the praise service, and it was a time of great fellowship and rejoicing. Again, I say a word of thanks to everyone who was there bringing the food, participating to all the guests that came, and we want to make that an opportunity of outreach and uh, invite folks to come to church with you at every Lord's Day. That's a good idea to do that, and uh, we just want to thank everyone for the good opportunity of fellowship that we had then. I have a note here and a card from Reverend Cranston, and uh, Brother Cranston is still, well, he's not able to be back in the pulpit yet. He noted that he is doing better, but he has gone through a very, very difficult time with his health, and he has given a card to the congregation. Let me just read it to you. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, it is with a deep sense of gratitude that I extend to you my sincere thanks for your expressions of love, concern, and especially uh, your prayers during my recent illness. I must confess it was a very difficult time, but knowing that you were praying for me made it a great comfort. And he goes on to say that he is very thankful especially for the prayers of God's people, for him and for his wife Doreen, because her workload was greatly increased during the time of his sickness. And he also wanted to say a word of thanks to the men in our congregation who have filled the pulpit for them in Port Hope while his illness. And a bro Brother Simon is there ministering this morning as well. And Brother Fraser will be going there tonight to minister for Brother Cranston. So remember him in your prayers that God's hand would be upon him to help him and bless the congregation there as well. Your tithes and your offerings, you have been faithful in your giving, and uh, we have been using church offering envelopes the past number of years, and we do have those envelopes there here with us at this time now again. And so if you want to speak to one of the, the men as you're going out today, one of the elders or deacons, and they'll direct you as to getting your envelope. And if you know your number, that will be helpful uh, because the names are not written on the envelopes, I don't think, at this point. And so if you want to get that, you can speak to one of the men, and they'll be sure to get those offering envelopes to you. Now, I know that many more folks are using electronic means of submitting their offerings, and that's good, that's fine. But if you still would like to use the offering envelopes, and you've had them in the past, and your numbers are on there, you'll be able to pick that up today when you leave. Please remember our services today at 5.50, our time of prayer before the evening service, and then we'll be meeting at 6.30. And our sister Betty Wimela Chandran 
will be ministering in song tonight in the evening service, and she'll be singing that part out of the Messiah, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I'm sure you'll be encouraged by that ministry in song. And then the prayer meeting this coming Wednesday, 7.30, Brother Alec Newell will be taking the prayer meeting this coming Wednesday. Please don't forget the week of prayer slated for January 23rd to the 27th. That's a focal time for our congregation. And I encourage you, set aside that whole week. Don't be planning anything else. And if you can, if you're in good health and you have the family opportunity and you're not restricted, you need to be here at the place of prayer and to be participating and encouraging uh, others as you pray, praying for yourself and your family and your congregation that we would know the Lord's hand and blessing upon us. If anyone has been seeking the Lord regarding baptism and you would like to follow the Lord in that way, uh, please speak to me before you leave the service today. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise now, number 371, When peace like a river attendeth my way. We will stand to sing.
continuing our reading now, please, in Psalm 31, verse 16. Psalm 31, verse 16. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart all ye that hope in the Lord. It's verse 24 that we're going to be thinking about today, in which I believe the Lord has set before us all as a theme verse for this new year. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, the words we have read from the Holy Scriptures are so precious, so wonderful. They touch the very chords of the heart, the expressions of the soul. Many times, Father, we have been where David was, thinking that we are cut off, and yet we are surrounded by the love of our Father in heaven a love that is unending, a love that is complete and full, cannot be thwarted, cannot be diminished. O God, I pray today that we will be brought to rejoice more and more in so great salvation and all that we have received from Your kind and gracious and loving hand. Father, write this word upon every heart this morning. Give me strength, I pray, to be able to speak the word faithfully and clearly. Let everyone have open ears, open hearts. And Lord, what about those who are still unsaved? Is it not time for them to trust in Christ as their own? So be with us now, I pray, 
We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So what do we need for this new year? Well, I suggest to you from this psalm and verse, we need courage and strength and hope. For an unknown tomorrow, yet a certain eternity. An unknown tomorrow. And yet for every believer, we have a very certain eternity. Now we know that at 12 a.m. today, a new year began. And it was brought in with shouts and with cheers and coming from many party halls, pubs and social venues and private residences, including the one about three doors down from us, that I was sound asleep when the new year came in yesterday, uh, today rather, uh, but uh, I was awakened by a thunderous, I would say Armageddon-like explosion of uh, fireworks, and they seemed to be right outside my bedroom window, and uh, I went out this morning and there was the uh, residue of all the fireworks on the roadway a few houses down. But of course, that was a repeated situation in many neighborhoods, many places across this globe. And of course, the fireworks and the celebrations, they're all set off with people enjoying their times and wanting to celebrate. And they celebrate wishing those with them and near them a very happy new year. And they're looking for prosperity. People are looking for a new turn, a new chapter. They're looking for the new year to begin and perhaps continue better than the old year ended. Of course, much of the festivities, they go forward with drinking, dancing, and all of the different carousing that goes along with it, and of course, the hangovers on the next morning. Many of these kind gestures, they're spoken with sincerity, but the cold reality of broken lives will surface again before the day is done. Too often, it's all they know, the world that is, and the festivities, what do they do? Well, they offer a momentary relief. They offer something to escape from the heavy burdens of life. But I say this morning, what is the Christian to do, and are they really any different? Well, I'm not talking about the parties and the drinking and the carousing and the festivities of that nature, because that's not part of a Christian's life. It's not part of a Christian's testimony. But the fact and the reality is that Christians also bear many of the heavy-duty problems along with the regular day-to-day attacks of Satan who is always trying to take away our feet from under us spiritually. He's trying to take our foundation away. And he sets up in front of us stumbling blocks, obstacles, 
things that will cause us with the intent in His mind to hinder our spiritual walk, to hinder our spiritual growth and advancement. He's trying to overturn your faith, believer. Don't be surprised about that. Every day you get up out of your bed, whether it's a brand new year day or any day, be sure of this, that you have a target on your back and Satan is trying to overturn your faith. Well, then you get into the prospect of a new year politically, social and moral issues. And no matter what continent you touch, things are plummeting fast. The so-called moral fabric of society that once was at least influenced by a biblical standard has so deteriorated that it no longer can even a basic morality of decency and normality, it can't be taken for granted anymore because it's void. It's empty. As satanic power and influence, it surges like a contaminated flood, and it's rushing with a strong current. It's pulling toward an end. And there are some who think they will try to escape the social destruction and warfare of this world by populating another planet, be it the moon or Mars. Elon Musk has made an attempt, a plan. He wants to populate Mars with the intention of starting a a brave new world. What he will find, though, when the population begins to happen on Mars in his imagination, that will never happen biblically. We're told that this world is the place where God intends humans to inhabit. But the idea behind it, finding a new place, it would be like when they found the new world of the North Americas to start all over again, only to find out that before long the sins that were in the old place are brought into the new place, and whether it's the moon or Mars or somewhere else, sinful, corrupt human beings would only repeat that problem there, and society would degenerate if it ever got started. How did David address this? Well, Psalm 31 gives us a bit of a snapshot of a life of a man of God. He tells us in this psalm about his rejoicing in all that he had in the Lord. He rejoiced in his standing. He rejoiced in the blessings that God had given to him. He rejoiced and realized that every good and perfect gift comes down from his Father, and he had received much. But there's also in this the lamenting of David for his own failures, his own own sins, his own brokenness. And then, of course, he's praying for protection from the enemies that were all around him that were set to destroy him. And so when you look at a snapshot of Psalm 31, does it not mirror our lives? Does it not mirror the life of a believer in every age in which they have lived? My friend, this is where you and I can fit in today. By grace, David's faith remained intact, and he knew 
the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, and that his God would never leave him nor forsake him. And dear brother and sister today, this is where our hope is this morning. This is where we are. And as we set ourselves for this year, it is where we can be and will be by the time this year ends in God's great providence. And I want to impress this truth upon all of our hearts that we will know the courage that God is speaking about here and the strength that He provides and the hope that is certain for us for an unknown tomorrow, because you don't know what tomorrow brings. God has not revealed that to you, but He has revealed to you to some extent your destination, your eternal home. And though we might not have all the details, we know that where Christ is, there we will be when we leave this scene of time. And our hope is not planting our foot on Mars or some other planet. It is planting our foot in glory with our Lord and with our Savior. And that He will strengthen us to face whatever the Lord allows by His sovereign plan in our lives this year. And you can rest in that place today and you can be thankful. Quite simply, the first thought is simply be of good courage because that's what the verse tells us. It is an admonition. It is a directive that God is giving. Be of good courage. Our English word courage It originates from two Latin words, and it means the acting of the heart or the action of the heart. And so it means, from this standpoint, a courageous man would, we would say, sometimes has the heart of a lion. A person who is prepared to respond no matter what the circumstances. But when we bring that into a definition of Christian courage, it's not the same as a natural type of bravery that may be more motivated by bravado or heroics or even pride in a man, wanting to save face, not wanting to stand down, Simeon Ash, a Puritan, 1642, he gave this definition of courage. Christian courage may be described as the undaunted audacity of a sanctified heart in adventuring upon difficulties and undergoing hardships for a good cause upon the call of God. So a Christian directed by the Lord, called by God, undergoing this good cause, and yet facing difficulties, hardships, has an undaunted audacity, has the forwardness to press ahead even though the wind is fierce and the spiritual opposition is strong. 
Yet still, there is going forward of this sanctified heart. But you know, as Christians, we have to be careful. We're not deceived by appearances because sometimes things that may appear to be full of courage or courageous, things that will boast themselves or people of great strength, often show themselves cowards in the day of adversity. And if any one of us think that we are going to be full of spiritual courage in the day of challenge, let's beware. Because if we think we're going to stand, the Lord warns us, take heed, lest you fall. And so we want to think about this admonition of be of good courage, but it has to be looked at and evaluated and assimilated into our minds and hearts and lives with biblical truth. Judge not by feeble, outward, or existential displays of things that measure up true courage, because the true courage that is spiritual is going to be that which is seen in the behavior of a believer under the pressure of spiritual opposition. So when we think about the, the criteria, how is it defined? Well, we can define the word itself. We can understand how it's used from a worldly or humanistic con context. But where we're getting at, and of course where the Bible is talking about, it's the spiritual understanding of this. And that's where we have to come right down to the heart and understand that. But we'll ask this question as well. What authority is this based on? Because it's one thing if I tell you and say, oh, Christian, like just man up, be of good courage, don't surrender. That can be totally meaningless. Because I have no authority in myself to admonish you other than to come by and maybe try to encourage someone. But what's the authority that this command is given through the lips of David by the Holy Spirit? Based on whose authority? Because when we come down to the heart of this, well, that's going to make all the difference. David was inspired by the Holy Spirit when this very direct admonition was given. It was from his experience, from the day-to-day -day trouble that he had, when he saw the reality of taking God at His Word, even though the enemies were strong about him. Numerous times David acknowledged, I have no strength against the great forces of the Philistines, the Syrians, those who are around me. There are mighty armies. I am not able for this. But David rested for his ability and for the courage that God gave him in the authority of the God of heaven that commanded him to go forward in the face of it. How else could Moses and the children of Israel have ventured out into the dry bed of the Red Sea fearing the walls of water on both sides could have collapsed upon them at any moment. 
they were able to go in the strength and courage of the Lord. And the foolishness of the Egyptians that followed after, it was their demise as God brought the water down upon them. Friend, the authority that we have today to be of good courage is a boldness in the Lord that is based upon His promise of deliverance. Our God is with us, and our God is able for every obstacle and opposition that comes. The firm ground that you and I today have to stand upon is the firm ground, and we will venture out on that. Not by chance. It's not by positive thinking. It's not by just stirring yourself up from within that now I'm going to be courageous for God. It is by grace, through faith. For we walk by our faith and not, dear friends, by our sight. This is God's way. But this is God's Word of encouragement for you this morning. Be of good courage. Be of that courage which is going to be shown to reveal God's mind and heart. The good courage is being spoken about here is that which is pleasant, which is ripe, which is full of the power of God behind it. But there's something else we have here in this text. We are given the promise of strength. We're told, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. We often stand in need. I I speak for myself. I often stand in need of the strength of my heart. You feel going through life's journey that so often your heart seems and feels very weak. And you feel you have no strength to keep going. And you have no power to face the enemy that comes against you that's pounding. And you feel so debilitated You feel so weak on the inside. And you say, you cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. Lord, strengthen my heart. I have no power to keep going. I have no power to face the responsibilities and the obstacles that are in front. We often stand and believe, I'm sure you're there often as well. You just don't think you can go on, you just wonder how you can keep going. A weak heart, what that does for a Christian, it incapacitates us. Well, if that happens in the physical realm, and it does, when someone is timid and fearful and uncertain, well, they, they cannot go forward to accomplish even the most basic of responsibilities. But the courage and strength of heart that goes hand in hand for the child of God, we have to see this first of all as a command from God. And this second part, it's a a promise that is given 
in response to our obedience in going out on the Lord. You see the order that God has given? The command God has made, be of good courage. And so when we, by grace and faith, step out on that ice of the good courage that God has promised, what follows on after? It's a promise the Lord has given. And He shall strengthen your heart. God is proving us. And He's proving our walk of faith. He does not often show us the steps that are down the road. He doesn't always map out and say, that trial, well, you're going to see how it's going to come to good at the end and you'll understand it. The Lord doesn't always show us that step. But He wants us to follow the steps of obedient faith. And when God reveals that Word to us, and He gives us the command to be of good courage, there's every reason behind it. Because the sovereign God of heaven and earth is in control. And He is watching over every step that we take. And because of that, my dear friends, we are able with confidence to know that we are strengthened. And this strength that God promises, it means that we are able to be overcomers. We are able to overcome. But you ask, as I often do, how can I obtain this strength to live above the world? Where does it come from? I know it does not come from myself. The strength comes, we know, from a God who has made the promise. A God who has chosen us. A God who has set His love upon us. A God that means and intends, my dear brother and sister, to accomplish the end that He has purposed for you and for me. And because God has made this promise to fulfill His plan, He will bring it to the end. It is the working of the Holy Spirit who lives within us to show us the way to renew our strength by waiting upon the Lord and using the tools of God's direction. Oh, we love Isaiah chapter 41. We love the promise that God gives us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let that great truth settle down into your heart today, believer. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your trial just now, for that strength is that which is able to overcome. And faith is the great means that God uses, and it's not our sight. Oh, it's so hard of a lesson for us to learn because we are, we are, so, we are so used to operating in the human context. We're so 
accustomed to seeing and feeling things and wanting to know what's in front of us to see the way. But that's not how the Lord wants us to walk as His people. Because faith is the great means that God will give us victory over sin, victory over the world and the flesh and the devil, and He will strengthen our hearts. And that strength of heart will come by a walk of faith. For if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It is a walk of faith. It is a watchfulness in our walk to keep away from enticing areas. There are danger signs all around us, and there must be watchfulness. Watchfulness comes in many different ways. Some folks, in a human sense, can be overly watchful and overly fearful about many things. But as a believer, we are called to be astute spiritually. We're called to be watchful of areas where the devil may be lurking, where temptations may be, and always on our guard. Because if we're not on our guard, we're more prone then to stumble and fall by the obstacle that he sets in front of us. And that watchfulness, and that was the very motto text that we had to watch, quit you like men. Let us be careful, dear brothers and sisters, that we are watchful in storing up God's Word in our minds, storing up His Word in our hearts, not submitting ourselves or allowing ourselves to be in circumstances that are going to be potentially damaging and harmful to us. And we are called, in the book of Romans, chapter 6 tells us about what it means to mortify the flesh and to put sinful behaviors and practices away from us. Be careful to leave no part remaining. When we cut down a tree, let's be sure to get the the stump grinder out and grind the stump down below the surface of the ground and remove every part of it. Get down to the root as far as you possibly can, those roots of sin, those roots of temptation, and let us be done with them by God's grace. And of course, in the mortifying of the flesh, there has to be a guarding of our thoughts, a guarding of our desires, a guarding of what we allow to come into our minds. Because, believers, if we are not extra vigilant in this day, there are so many deceptive things that at the push of a button, at the turn of a website, things can come before us, and we must be very vigilant. Well, the strength that we are talking about here is a strength that is outside of ourselves. It comes from the Lord Himself, and He has promised to strengthen our heart in every time of our need, in every battle that we are called to face for truth, every time a temptation comes, every trial that comes during times of service and work for the Lord. Isn't it, isn't it something that is, 
greatly grieving to your soul that in the times of your own quiet prayer and meditation and the reading of the Word, that's when the devil will bring just that tempting thought, just that distracting thing to take your mind away. Ah, believer, be guard. Be, Be on guard. Be careful. Because the strength that we need, it must come from outside, and it will. Because the Lord has made the promise to us by my Spirit. We are not sufficient for all these things in ourselves, for our dependence is on the Lord, and we are praying daily for the infilling of the Holy Spirit to combat, to combat temptation and sin, knowing this, that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Yes, brother, sister, praying every day, that you will be filled with the Spirit of God. And as you pray that prayer by faith, you will see the evidence, the reality, the fulfilling of that answered prayer in your own life. But some might ask the question, as we all do at one time or another, what happens if sin has gained control in some area of life? What happens if at this present moment, friend, maybe you have to admit you're backslidden. You're not exactly walking with the Lord. Well, what better opportunity that God grants to us at the start of a new year, the start of a new occasion, a new day, a new chapter, a blank page to say, Lord, I want to begin again. I want to be drawn back. And if sin has gained some control, some area in the life, the first thing that must be done, believer, is to consciously acknowledge that before the Lord and be honest with your own heart before God. We can't hide anything from the Lord. We must set those matters aright. We must put them before the Lord And as we do so in confession of those things and praying that God would set up a very high wall around us of protection and guard. And let us not go down those roads or to those places where we have been so prone to fall before. God has commanded us to be of good courage. He has given us the promise of His strength. And believer, He has guaranteed and assured us that the hope we have is eternal. Possessing real and substantial hope in God, why this is the anchor to our lives. Especially when the full force of satanic storm is against the soul, and all evidence, it seems, that we will be saved is gone. Ah, it's just then. It's just then that we know that we trust in a living God, the God of heaven and earth, the One who loves us with an everlasting love. And more than any person, we feel that we need to be kept afloat. And He will give us power 
He will give us the strength to swim against the current to the safety of shore. Yes, believer, trust in Him. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If we only have hope now, if we only have hope in the current life that we live, then what is the point of it all? If we are not trusting in a risen Christ, if our hope is not fastened in a Lord whose life will never end, then we have no real, substantial, meaningful hope. No, but the sure knowledge of the believer is this. I stand upon redemption ground. I stand upon resurrection ground. For since you have been risen with Christ, we are called to seek those things which are above. It's interesting that when Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said, we are of all men most miserable if Christ has not raised from the dead. If we don't have a real genuine hope, then we're miserable. You know what that word means? It's merciless. We are left without mercy, and therefore under the full weight of the righteous judgment of God. That's what it means. Of all men most merciless. If Christ is not alive, then I am still in my sin. I am under the judgment of God. Ah, but today, friends, we are alive, and we are free, and we have eternal hope. And this is the hope that we possess. It's the hope that David possessed. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Is your hope today, friend, fastened to Christ? Is your hope secure in Him? Do you know Christ in you, the hope of glory? That is the only answer. Call on Him now. Confess your sins. And you will find Him a loving and gracious and receiving Savior to your soul. This hope that we have, it keeps the right perspective in life for us. It helps us to see beyond time. It helps us to see beyond circumstance and to realize that now our redemption is nearer than when we believed. And it doesn't matter if you just were saved yesterday. Your redemption, the coming of Christ, our eternal home and glory, it's closer than the day we believed. And for those who have been on the road here for 20, 30, 50, 60 years, every day that we pass is a day's march nearer home. It's a day closer to the redemption of our soul when this mortal must put on immortality. Yes, my dear friends, and we will be brought to rest in our eternal inheritance What does all this mean for us as we start 2023? We have a great reason to be of good courage. 
We have a great reason to be strengthened in heart. We have a great reason for hope because God is for us. Because Christ is the captain of our salvation. Because the Holy Spirit who dwells within us is greater than He that dwells in the world. And that God has provided for us the armor, spiritual armor, whereby we can go forward. And friends, this courage and strength and hope, what will it do for us this year? It will make us resilient to stand up for the honor of Christ. Our resilience to stand in our day does not come simply because we're a member of a church. It doesn't come because we have been educated well. No, the resilience to stand for the honor of Christ will be because of the power that our God has given, the hope that we have, and the courage that is instilled by His grace. And it will also give us fortitude not to surrender to the attacks of the devil. It will equip us to persevere against the most shocking and shattering and severe of circumstances, whatever they have been, whatever they are right now, or whatever they will be in this year. And it will enable us to continue faithful in the cause of our Savior, no matter what the outcome. Because the outcome is not our business. To stand is our business. To be faithful is our business. To honor Christ is our business. And we leave the outcome to Him. And so, my dear friend, if you are not a Christian today, there's no better way to start the new year Come to Him. Repent of your sin. Call upon the Lord. And for every believer that we will all resolve not to go backward, but to go forward only to see every detail of our lives in the providential purpose of a God who loves you, who loves us with an everlasting love. We're going to close our service by singing a hymn that's not in our book. It's in our old uh, hymnal. Courage, brother, do not stumble, though the path be dark as night. There's a star to guide the humble. Trust in God and do the right. Though the road be rough and dreary, and its end far out of sight, foot it bravely, strong or weary. Trust in God and do the right. Let's stand please to sing.
Let's bow, please, in prayer. If you're not remaining for our communion service today, as we close the prayer, you're welcome to leave the service at that time. Dear Father, thankful for this precious word, this great promise, this marker to set a guide for our new year. Dear Lord, let us receive it by faith. Let us memorize it and commit the word to our hearts and bring it back to our minds and our spirits often in our praying. And Lord, we would not be discouraged or cast down, but strengthened for whatever the day will bring. Hear our prayers today. And dear Father, as we come now to our communion service, I pray you be very mindful of your holy presence with us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.